Welcome to the Way We See It podcast, where we talk about politics, social justice, and culture. I'm Tati. And I'm Ariana. And we are your hosts of this podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode 27. Now, this is odd because I don't have my um, co-host with me, Tati, due to emergency situations that happen. But um, it's, it's going to be me for this episode today. Um, if you haven't already, make sure you follow us on our socials the way we see it. T-H-E-W-A-Y-W-E-C-I-T. And if you um, want to look for the link, it can be found on our Instagram and Twitter bio. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube channel. Like we said in our two episodes ago, we'll be posting our episodes on YouTube. And our YouTube channel is also the way we see it. So make sure you like, comment, subscribe if you also want to see the visuals of our episodes. And if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave a review and uh, give us uh, five stars. And if you have anybody in mind that you want us to collaborate with or you have any topics you want us to do, don't forget, you can don't hesitate to contact us through our website or our socials. Now in today's episode, we'll be continuing our conversation about medical marijuana. Um, On episode 25, two episodes ago, we discussed Tati and I, the legalization of marijuana. And in that episode, we differentiated the difference between medical marijuana and recreational marijuana. And we also broke down the conflict between the federal law and state laws, as well as the pros and cons of legalizing recreational marijuana. Now in this episode, we'll be having a special guest to discuss her medical marijuana business, Mary Medicine. So today we present to you Cynthia Quesada, the CEO and founder of Mary Medicine. Hi everyone, thank you so much for inviting me and thank you for the opportunity of being here to provide you guys with a little more education as to my background in medical marijuana and cannabis therapy, and also just providing me a platform to speak a little more about it. I know a lot of people um, have a lot of questions about it, and I know it's still a taboo topic, especially in the minority community, in the Latin community especially. So I'm always here just to provide guidance, education, and of course, also to support cannabis therapy in our community. Yeah, so thank you for joining us today. Um, so we're gonna be asking you a few questions. You can. Feel free to ask my, um, my opinion on, on this topic or anything. So first, um, what influenced you to pursue a career in the medical field? Because you are a nurse, right? Yes. So I've been in the medical field for over 10 years now. Um, I started as an emergency medical technician, and then I worked my way up to become a nurse manager, which I am now. Um, I had I received my licensed practical nurse, and then I did my RN, and then I continue to move forward um, to my master's. My sister was a registered nurse, but now she's a nurse practitioner. So she kind of like paved the way in order for me to get into the medical field. My, one of my, my aunts is, was a registered nurse as well in the Dominican Republic. So she was kind of like our pioneer um, to start our journey in medicine. Oh, so it seems like so you had an influence in, in your family to enter the medical field. That's great. And how long have you been um, working in, as a nurse? Sure. So I've been in medicine for 10 years. I've been a nurse for eight and I've been a nurse manager for a little over uh, three years now. Oh, wow. 
So you've been in the field for for a good minute. Um, I'm still young though. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you transition to creating Mary Med- Med- Medicine in your business? Sure. So um, I I feel like I I entered the game a little late because you know my knowledge in cannabis therapy was very you know basic. Um, I only knew what I saw you know in my environment about what it is. Um, I had a really close friend that was actually doing um, cannabis therapy for um, sleep and also for anxiety and depression, and he kind of opened up this world as to the different types of strains and the different uses of it and the actual medical compounds of it. And I got really, really interested and really excited um, on just learning more about um, what cannabis therapy is. Um, The first thing that I did is I Googled, you know, nursing and cannabis, and I was, um, I had the opportunity to kind of join the American Cannabis Nurses Association that kind of like officially opened up that door and that wealth of knowledge as to the specific therapies within um, medicinal and also recreational use for cannabis. Um, There I teamed up with, it's like an average of about 300 medical professionals that are in this organization and we meet once a year and we kind of um, educate ourselves as to the new products that are currently going on, the new research um, that are currently being discovered, the different methods of use, what's better than, um, what's better for this specific diagnosis than not, um, and just, you know, building a solid foundation um, based on evidence-based practice, which is our company, Mary Medicine's foundation in um, providing education to our patients. Oh, I didn't know that there was like a whole organization behind that. You guys can like learn from each other and um it's a tribe. <laughs> um so what does yeah. services does Mary and Med- one of the main foundations? Continue. Sure. So we have a couple of different services. Um so first and foremost, um the foundation for the company is always um evidence-based practice. Everything that we speak about, educate, teach. Um, consults about is is always based on um, medical practice. This it's not something that we just, you know, uh, spring up from nothing and just you know tell someone here take this. Um, we actually have a team of researchers behind us. I do work with um, laboratory technicians. I work with chemists. I also work with overseas. I do have also um, a primary medical physician and a group of nurse practitioners who also oversees our our patient care. Um, So that being said, we provide a variety of different um, programs under our belt. So we do primarily the coaching. Um, If anybody's interested in obtaining cannabis therapy, we do the coaching for it. So we have a one-to-one conversation with the patient. We make it personal and we basically just kind of have you pick our brains as to what it is, what can it be used for. If If you are the ideal candidate, have you um, used it before? And then we kind of build from there. Aside from the coaching um, that we provide, we also provide um, edibles, um, which is kind of just like a fun um, introductory to kind of, you know, introduce to the world who we are. We provide a variety of um, food options for our patients from flan to empanadas to cookies 
to apple pie, you know, just a fun, whimsical way to kind of introduce the, th the therapy to the patients. Because again, some patients are not comfortable in the, the inhalation of the, the actual flower, or some people are kind of skeptical in taking, you know, a oil base or a capsule. So this is kind of like a fun way to introduce them to, you know, the possibilities of the therapy. Um, we also do provide education in providing the Miracle Moana card in the states of um, New Jersey and New York, and we're slowly branching to Florida um, as well because a lot of states are slowly moving into the legalization of recreational use, but like New York and Florida still have um, the mandate that you have to have a medical marijuana card. So I also have a team of medical professionals, including a primary care physician that again, sits down with you, has that um, conversation with you and breaks down if you're the ideal candidate for that use. Um, we also have a community service space that we also um, just try to educate um, the community as to the benefits of, can of legal cannabis use. Um, and also branching from that, we also um, are working on having some form of criminal reform program as well. Um, I know New Jersey recently is kind of um, assisting with that to kind of um, decriminalize or depenalize people who've literally have been in jail for years for something as having now, which is a legal amount of marijuana possession. Wow. So you guys do a lot of advocacy, so a little bit of everything. <laughs> um, education, consultation, yeah. all that. So when a client comes in like for a consultation and um, based on like their presenting issue, you guys decide like how, what like type of strain of marijuana, like how much levels of like THC or like CBD based on like the presenting problem? Exactly, exactly. So initially when the majority of, of my patients come in, they have no clue. They automatically just, you know, have this, you know, negative assumption of, you know, what cannabis therapy is and they just automatically assume it's to get high or it's a psychedelic. Um, that's when we sit down and educate the patient. It's like, no, there's different types of compounds of it. There's different um, ratios of the formula. And depending on what you want to use it for, and depending on, of course, your diagnosis, that's how we basically provide you a relationship with what the plant can do for you and what you need from it. Um, for example, I have a lot of patients who suffer from anxiety and sleep depression. I'm not going to provide them something that has high concentration of THC because THC is basically classified as like, you know, the, the hallucinogenic effect of THC and that can actually counteract what they're basically trying to do. So if you have a lot of anxiety, THC is gonna basically take you from like a 60 to a hundred instead of you going from like a 60 to a zero. That's what I will educate the consumer and basically state you need something with a higher CBD because CBD is the downer to actually provide you with that relaxed feel. So that's the conversation that I have with them in order to educate them um, and also the use of the different products. So um, depending on the different products that you use, it also depends on how it, it basically affects the body. Um, I, one of the products that we provide is a full spectrum tincture um, that's kind of different from like a CBD oil. Um, our tinctures are um, alcohol-based um, extract and they're um, cold pressed with CO2, which which means basically fancy terms is we basically keep the whole plant together and we give you everything that the plant provides instead of just taking out that little portion of CBD, just taking out that little portion of CBD. So you get like the whole plant variant in our tincture 
instead of like a CBD oil. And the difference between a tincture and an oil is a tincture is more of a concentrated version than what an oil can provide. Also too, because the, my tincture specifically is alcohol-based, it actually hits the body a little quicker than the oil. The oil has to go through the whole digestive process. The tincture, once you add it on sublingually, um, it automatically hits your system within minutes. So you don't have to wait an hour, you know what I mean, um, mm -hmm. for you to feel the effects of it. For example, like somebody eating a brownie would have to wait an hour, maybe sometimes three hours to kind of get those effects. But again, it all depends on what you're looking for. It all depends on um, what your diagnosis is. And that's the basis on how we basically build on the treatment. Yeah. So during a consultation meeting with a patient, do you ask if they use marijuana um, recreationally? And does that affect um, if they use recreationally or and, and medical marijuana at the same time? Absolutely. Um, you know, and again, it's like a, a, I try to make the conversation as comfortable as possible because a lot of people are, you know, I get it. You know, I, I was there too. I was, you know, nervous to start this journey myself or even, you know, to provide research in it, but I have to know if you've done it before, because I'm not, it, it's basically like, you know, oh, I, I've, I've taken Tylenol all my life and you come to me for a Tylenol, that one Tylenol is not going to do anything for you. Yes. So I need to know what your tolerance level is, what you're comfortable with, what you felt when you had it. So I can build on what I'm going to give you. Some people, you know, if you're an avid user and you, and you're used and you're using um, cannabis therapy on a daily basis, you may need something stronger than what I would prescribe a first time user. So I definitely need to know as much information as you know, the patient is willing to provide for me in order to specifically provide them uh, a plan of care that is going to help them. You know, the, the last thing I want to do is, of course, to waste time and money on a patient. And we're basically not meeting eye to eye because the information is not 100% accurate. Yeah, that's, that's understandable. Mm -hmm. You kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but how can um, medical marijuana help people with medical conditions, um, physical or like mentally absolutely so for me um i'm really i'm really you know excited about this plan specifically because you know based on the research that's out there the side effects are very minimal i mean i have yet to read a scientific journal or an article that states that someone has literally passed due to an overdose of of marijuana and that's you know one of the reasons is is it doesn't affect the brain stem of um, the body. Um, the brainstem is, is actually the controller of respiration. So for example, something like morphine or an opioid um, does affect the respiration of the brain. That's why if you take too much morphine and you take too much dilaudid, you know what I mean? You will unfortunately expire. Marijuana doesn't do that and it doesn't target those specific points in the brain. So you can't die of an overdose um, from marijuana, which is the great thing. Also too, again, based on the research and based on the articles that are out there, there have been positive research that, especially for opioid use, it, it, it dramatically increases intake. It does have you know, a positive effect on pain management. It has a positive effect on depression and anxiety. Um, you know, there, uh, there are definitely um, compounds within the CBD family, um, CBG, um, that actually even decreases tumors on, you know, some cancer patients, um, especially when it comes to those um, specific patients specifically because they have so many different sim um, symptoms. Um, it helps with nausea. It helps with appetite, um, all of that stuff. I mean, 
it's not a magic pill. And I, and I tell everybody that, and of course you have to be respectful because at the end of the day, it is a medication and you always have to respect the medication. Um, even if it's a Tylenol, if you take too much Tylenols, you're going to get a negative outcome. Um, so I always definitely encourage anyone who's interested in starting the therapy to always seek unprofessional, um, advice. Okay. So once the patient, like you identify their presenting problem, like what they're diagnosed with and know, um, what, like what, um, to treat them with, like, do they get the medicine online or they go to the pharmacy? Like, how's that process? Sure. So now they have a lot of cool routes to actually, um, ingest the medication. Um, again, I always say initially always have a conversation with your MD or, um, with someone, you know, in, in the cannabis industry, because that, that line between you getting the medical marijuana card and you going to a dispensary and spending an average of $300 on a product that you don't really know how to use, or don't even know if it's going to work for you. It's time consuming. And that's where basically I kind of like bridge the gap because depending on what you tell me, I'm going to basically tell you what's best to purchase. So for example, my elderly patient, that's 89 years old, that's 90 years old and can't swallow pills. I'm not going to tell them, yeah, go to the dispensary and get 15 capsules of XYZ for a hundred bucks. And this is going to work. Maybe they like a topical, you know what I mean? Which is a lotion. Maybe they want to do a transdermal patch, which some of these patches could last 12 to eight hours on the skin instead of them actually ingesting something. Because at that age, some of them, you know, are hard to swallow, or maybe they do have swallowing issues depending on, um, a previous diagnosis of a stroke or Alzheimer's. Um, a child, you know what I mean, that's doing CBD therapy for epilepsy. You don't want to wait to ingest the capsule for a child who has active epilepsy. Maybe a tincture that will hit the body faster will be useful for the child because especially children are hard to swallow pills. So you would want to use another route instead of using a pill form. So that's why I always try to educate the patient um, and, and having them know, you know, what would be the route, not just what the milligram is going to be of what you're taking. So you could be comfortable in using that. Um, a lot of the local dispensaries have come up with a lot of compounds that are really great. Um, Etain, for example, which is our local dispensary here in Yonkers actually created, and they're actually one of the first to have a soluble powder, which has no taste. Um, it has the milligram dosage that you're looking for and you put it in your coffee, you put it in your juice and literally you dose yourself, um, you know, depending on what the doctor recommends. And instead of again, inhalants or a capsule or a transdermal patch or a vape, you can actually just pour some powder into your water, you know, or into your coffee and you've already medicated yourself for the day. So again, it all depends on the diagnosis and what the patient is comfortable with using. Yeah, you mentioned children. Um, I wasn't aware that children were eligible like to like use marijuana medically. Yes, I even dogs. I thought you had to be 18 to be to like get a medical card, at least in New York or Well, I mean, yes, legally, yes. You you have to be 18, but there are some children um, for example, with the diagnosis of epilepsy specifically, um, that they are providing, that they are doing um, journals about the positive uses of high doses of CBD um, during um, a, a post-epileptic attack or pre, or even during an, epile an epileptic attack that actually is helping them. So 
it is safe on, on children, um, which is great. And also a lot of animals too. They actually even have CBD for pets. Um, again, high anxiety, um, a pet depression, um, you know, which is probably kind of hard to diagnose, but yes, they do have CBD for pets, which is safe. And they also do have um, cannabis therapy for um, children as well. Mm -hmm. Nice. Pets have feelings too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, do you believe like there's a stigma against using medical marijuana? You did touch on this um, earlier in the beginning. Absolutely. I mean, even again, just with the example of, of me starting in my journey, um, it, it, it was it was taboo, you know, unfortunately, because it's, you know, still a schedule one federally re regulated, you know, drug, it still holds that taboo very strongly. Um, I, as I see throughout the years, um, I see the improvement on it. I see much more research is, is um, continuing to develop on it, but there's still a lot more stigma surrounding it um, than it should be. Um, and a lot of it, I understand it's, you know, probably fear of the unknown, um, unfortunately, because of the stipulations on research, because it's federally regulated, we don't have enough hard evidence or substantial research um, on, on cannabis therapy in order to allow mainstream to fully accept it. Um, you know, and then it, it goes back to, you know, even, you know, politics and government systems, you know, as slowly as you see the improvements starting, it still has a long way to go because of that hard stop that unfortunately the federal government has, um, done to it. So you're saying like, um, like the government doesn't really fund much research behind um, medical marijuana. It provides zero research, unfortunately, zero research. So every research out there right now is all private companies that are doing it. And it's basically from someone's pockets that are doing it. And of course we greatly appreciate um, the research that is out there because it, you know, for me, it provides me basically my tools in order to educate my patients and myself in order to move forward and, you know, continue the good fight into trying to break the barriers of the taboo. But because unfortunately, um, it's still um, federally restricted. The federal government will not aid in the research on it. Wow, people are generous for using their own money to do this research. I know. <laughs> well, well, it's a multi-billion dollar business. So, yeah. you know, and there's something there. I mean, people are not going to spend all this money on something that doesn't work. You know what I mean? And, and even again, the research that's currently out there from private funders um, everything is positive. You know what I mean? Um, but unfortunately, we definitely need to do more in order to educate ourselves and in order to see, you know, just the longer term effects of, of the therapy. Yeah. Um, have you seen like an increased number of people seeking um, your services due to the pandemic or a lot of people being stuck at home and, um, you know, dealing with isolation, not seeing your family as much and friends as much, hanging out? Absolutely. Like, I mean, again, I'm, you know, still a bedside nurse and I saw COVID firsthand and, and everything that came with it and even still in the second wave. And it has been tremendous. I think it like tripled in the amount of use um, that people have done before, because again, you're dealing with anxiety, you're dealing with depression, you're dealing with PTSD, um, even more so now after the first wave, now we're getting hit with the PTSD now, now we're getting hit with the insomnia, now we're getting hit with 
um, you know, um, loss of appetite. So mm -hmm. even, you know, initially during the first wave, we were dealing with the depression, the anxiety, which increased the use and increased the volume of, you know, cannabis therapy. But now during the second wave, now we're also dealing with now the PTSD. Now we're dealing with the insomnia. Mm -hmm. Now we're dealing with, you know, the second wave and, and, and all that stipulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I believe that we're in a mental health crisis. I don't know if you know, but I'm studying to be a mental health counselor. So, yeah. I love it. Yeah. And it's huge and it's huge. And, and you know, even also with, with, with mental health, you know, especially again, just going back to, you know, a minority community, that's still a big taboo topic. You know, I do appreciate the eye opener that COVID has had or has on our community right now that a lot of more people are seeking help. Um, as well. I love the different facets of mental health that's kind of brewing, that it's not just like, you know, you're talking to a stranger and it's really straightforward. I mean, you could even do like text message counseling right now instead of doing like a Zoom call because, you know, you don't feel comfortable speaking to someone on a Zoom call. So I, I appreciate all of the different facets that mental health is kind of coming in. And again, the incorporation, the easy incorporation in which is allowing it to um, you know, gain into people's lives, which is super important right now. Yeah, super important. Um, what would you say to a listener? So like most of our listeners are range about 18 to like 22 years old. What would you say to a listener where like um, learning about medical marijuana is something new to them and they're interesting in trying? What would you say to them? Absolutely. Um, definitely speak to a medical professional. I mean, it's, you know, I know it's easy to go, you know, to your local corner store <laughs> and just picking something up. But if you're, if you want it for something specific, um, definitely have a conversation with, with a medical provider just so they can guide you in the correct route. Um, it's safe for anyone to use. Again, we had a conversation with pediatrics, about the pediatrics. We had a conversation with animals, um, with, with your pets, you know, the older geriatric population. Um, and there's a lot of products out there definitely do your research on what you're purchasing. It can be, it can be expensive, which is, you know, one of the things that I try to do is, is try to provide inexpensive products, but definitely do your research on what you're getting. A lot of these products are created in someone's basement and added on artificial derivatives that you don't know what it is. And you don't want to get something laced with, you don't know what or how it's going to affect your body. So I always recommend um, to do your research on whatever product that you're interested in and always go slow. Um, a lot of people are just like, oh, I want the highest concentration of THC. It's, it's not just always about the high, you know, mm -hmm. and if God forbid something happens, drink water and, <laughs> and, you know, take, take deep breaths. Yeah, deep breath. Well, not take a nap because they may oh. be paranoid, but drink yeah. water and take deep breaths and it's going to be okay. But always, you know, especially when it comes to edibles, because a lot of people are like, oh, I didn't feel it for three hours and I had a double, triple dose. It's going to hit you. You know what I mean? Maximum, it, I've, I've seen edibles take three to four hours. And again, go slow, really go slow. Yeah, so do your research and start off slow, guys. And um, one last question. Do you, do you think like medical marijuana is like accessible to like minority communities or like low income communities? Being like in terms of like um, how ex expensive it can get, I'm not sure how like expensive. No, no, no. I, I I understand. Not yet, but this is why I'm here for. Like I I literally like that was 
that was one of my building blocks of, of, of my foundation was kind of just to bridge that gap. I mean, I never, I've never seen anybody who looks and sounds like me, you know what I mean, represented in the Latin community with what, with what I'm doing. And I'm grateful and thankful for the opportunity. Not that I want to be like a pioneer or a founder of anything like that, but it's, you know, I, I'm just grateful to have this opportunity and to have this platform to educate someone who may not have all the knowledge or be comfortable with it in order to provide that bridge and that gap to them. Because I, I definitely strongly feel that there is um, a deficit in the minority community with, uh, with cannabis therapy. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like, and kind of like an oxymoron because, you know, we've been selling it for years, Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, if you got, we have any more last thoughts before we go? Um, no, I just wanted to thank you guys for the opportunity. Um, if you guys want um, to have more information about me and my company, um, definitely check out the website, www.marymedicine.us. I'm in all social media platforms, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I'm always accessible. Our company is literally open 24 hours a day. And, you know, I always do free Q and A's um, if you guys have any questions. Um, also your parents, you know what I mean? Um, the baby boomers geriatrics are, um, one of our, my big portions of clients because they're, you know, they have, you know, the anxiety, the insomnia, and they want to try something that's holistic, that's organic. That's, you know, something alternative instead of taking, you know, something that has 15 million side effects. So yeah, yeah definitely check us out. <laughs> well, thank you for having us and sharing your knowledge. Oh, thank you so much. And it was such a pleasure. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right, so now we're gonna get to the current events and surprise, guys. <laughs> hey guys, um, I'm back. I wasn't here for the beginning part of the episode because personal issues, but I'm here now. So we're about to get into the current events. <laughs> so the first current event of this week is that Senate passes a 1.9 trillion relief bill. On Saturday, March 6th, the Senate voted 50 to 49 to pass President Biden's 1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief bill. Um, the Senate passed the bill after debating for over 24 hours and came to their final vote on Saturday, March 6th at about like 12.30 p.m. And here's some things that you need to know about the Senate relief bill. So it does not include $15 federal min minimum wage. Um, like the increase that they have been talking about doing since Biden was even running to be president. Um, it provides eligible Americans earning up to 75,000 uh, 1400 stimulus check, extends enhanced um, unemployment benefits through September 6th at $300 a week, but um, 50 million will be allocated to small businesses. 130 billion will be allocated to help reopen schools and colleges. Wow. Um, as of right now, Congress passed the relief bill, which means the bill has officially passed and the president just needs to sign it through on Friday. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a lot of money. 1.9 trillion. <laughs> but I, it's a good thing that it was passed. It was passed by Senate, now passed by Congress. So them stimmies hitting soon. <laughs> yeah, because... Fun fact, guys, Congress, um, for those that don't know, Congress obviously is the one with the most control in the government, believe it or not. 
and um, they're the ones that control like the money and believe it or not they can actually control like what happens with the army like taxes like all these different things that um even the president can't do and stuff like whatever the president wants to do it has to go through congress so seeing that congress actually approve of this and now it just needs to be signed by Biden on Friday. That's crazy. Yeah, I just like I haven't read um, what ex- they exactly included in the bill. I know for a fact because the first thing I searched up, if they're going to include the stimulus and they are because the, the stuff we stated is what the um, Senate passed, not the not Congress. And they they might tweak it. But I know for sure that in the one that passed by Congress, which is the one that's going to be signed, the stimulus is checked. But. Um, stay tuned for like a for our post, and we'll say like what is exactly included in the in the bill. I know Adi's ready for that stimmy. <laughs> She's yeah. been chatting about it for a hot minute. <laughs> What's it called? I unfortunately am not seeing one inch of that stimulus check again, but it's okay. Next topic. <laughs> Next. Um. So George Floyd Justice and Policing Act was passed by the House. So on Wednesday, March 3rd, the House passed the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act after voting 220 um, and 212. The purpose of the bill is to hold law enforcement accountable for misconduct in court, improve transparency through data collection and reform police training and policies. In addition, the federal bill bans chokeholds and no-knock warrants. It also creates a national registry, the National Police Misconduct misconduct registry to insert data on complaints and records of police misconduct yeah so like it's nice that this was passed by the house i don't i believe it still has to since it was passed by the house i think congress has to sign that too but yeah it's nice that this was passed but like they, if this was passed then i hope that um i don't remember um George Floyd's killer, David something. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but his name he is. should be held accountable if this is being passed. Like, it's I in the the investigation. So, yeah, it it means a lot to see that um Congress and you know the House, just the government is gonna try and like do something about that. But at the end of the day, the only issue with that is that even if they do pass that bill, it doesn't mean states have to um do it or agree with it they could still just do their own thing and allow whatever so that could still be a a big issue with um a lot of the policing departments yeah all right but the next one is um the dr seuss controversy oh my god this was like crazy for me because listen in elementary school March my birthday month but it was also like Dr. Seuss month so I'd be reading Dr. Seuss books all the things and one thing too um I even wanted a Dr. Seuss um freaking birthday party um for my 12th or my 13th birthday before I went into my teenage years didn't happen but still I wanted it but that's how much of a Dr. Seuss fan I was and there's only um it's like I only read a select few books from him 
And obviously growing up, I had heard some things about him being a racist and whatever else. Um, but I never like saw proof. I just like heard about it. I didn't read any articles on it or anything. But like seeing this now, I'm just like, damn. I mean, I'm for it because, you know, like go off. But um, it was literally like the last thing I expected this week. So I'm just like, damn, that's crazy. But so, yeah, the Dr. Seuss controversy on Tuesday, March 2nd on Dr. Seuss's birthday, Dr. Seuss Enterprises announced that they will be banning six Dr. Seuss books due to racist and insensitive imagery. After months of discussion with teachers and academic specialists, Dr. Seuss entrepreneurs, um, Oh, Dr. Seuss Enterprises um, came to the conclusion that the six books portray people in ways that are harmful and wrong. And study published in 2019 by the Research on Diversity in Youth Literature examined 50 books by Dr. Seuss, according to the study, uh, which 43 out of the 45 characters of color in Dr. Seuss's books have characters portrayed in stereotypical and an offensive way. And... I actually read, I think it was a New York Times article on it when this carnival came out. And it was like, how basically he identified black people as monkeys and like as slaves. And it was just like, so bad. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, and um, he even had it on the board um, on one of the pictures, like there was a bunch of monkeys on one side. And then a whole bunch of white people on the other side. And it was like, buy yourself the N-word with the hard R. Um, and they'll help you, like, clean your field and everything. And, yeah. yeah. I also, like, grew up on Dr. Seuss. I basically, like, learned how to read you um, by reading his books. Like, my parents bought me, like, the entire collection. And I was very shocked when I read about this. Um, I'm actually, like, still in shock. And I, you know, reading this as a kid, like you don't notice these things because, you know, we're taught, we're, we're not, we're taught racism. Like it's not something that the attitude is not like within us. Um, but yeah, I, don't, I feel like Dr. Seuss shouldn't be canceled. You know what I mean? I, I feel like he should, st- I see him like a, as still as a legend, I, but. Yeah, it's like, I don't know how to describe it, but basically like, um, what's it called i wonder if gianni's gonna be hurt through the podcast <laughs> i mean she, she'll be fine um um yeah no like i don't know it's like one of those things where it's um i definitely don't like the canceling thing um i've never really liked that kind of stuff um besides um for people that are genuinely just straight bad and have like never done any good like Donald Trump (laughs) um but what's it called in other cases like Dr. Seuss like sure this man was a racist but he did make amazing literature for children um outside of those books and so like I'll always remember him for that part but like I don't know yeah it's hard to find a balance (laughs) um going on to the next current event sexual allegations against Governor Cuomo. This is another shocker. So recently three women have accused New York Governor Andrew Cuomo of sexual harassment. Two of these women worked in his administration and the other was a guest at a wedding he attended. On Wednesday, March 3rd, 
Como stated during his press briefing, and um, he stated that he apologized for making these women feel uncomfortable around him. And as of right now, two of the, of the women rejected his apology and an investigation will be preceded by the attorney general. So yeah, it was very shocking. Now me and Tati was just talking about it before we hit the record button. And I would say like um, Como has like done a lot for New York in general. Like he's passed like bills that has helped people and he like he's for like decriminalizing marijuana and like so many other things um what was the is is now illegal to purchase a confederate flag or show it in 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 new york and stuff so you know like i like the the fact that he's passed those things but then things like this i'm like hmm and you know as a woman i'm you know i feel for all women that have experienced sexual harassment especially by men in power where it's easy for us women to feel weak and not want to disclose that they went through the sexual harassment. And another part is that even when the investigation goes through, like we all know how these cases turn out, usually the the harasser is usually found not guilty. So it's a difficult situation. (laughs) Yeah, it is because like, if they do find things that against him you know like a lot of people are gonna be like oh but it's Cuomo yeah it's Cuomo but that doesn't mean anything we still have to keep him accountable for his actions and um I do appreciate that he apologized but it's different to apologize just to do that and just obviously not mean and just continue it again versus actually mean it and never do it again so I really want to know how the interaction between the other two females that don't accept his apology were um because it must have been that bad to the point where like it's just unforgivable so i don't know let's see yeah. as time, that the truth, as time goes on the truth is gonna come out it always does yeah. <laughs> always doesn't matter the person yeah. always but yeah guys that concludes this week's events um thank you for tuning in sorry again for not being here for majority of the episode it it definitely felt weird to like have Adi recording obviously like without me there because like we've recorded every episode together like thus far it was weird yeah it it was just so weird like I literally was just like in my bag about it too because I had a lot going on that that's it when she recorded it i was just like uh yeah no (laughs) but thank you for listening um where because this episode was supposed to this episode was originally supposed to come out this week um but the next following episode we have coming out in on saturday was supposed to come out last week um so you guys have two episodes this week and um so this I don't know if you had corrected yourself also. In the oh, yeah. So this is gonna, in the beginning of the episode when I introduced um, what was our topic. I said episode 27, but this is now episode 26. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then we have our other episode on Saturday. And yeah, guys, and we'll just be coming to you twice this week. So enjoy it. And don't forget to share, um, like because now we're on youtube subscribe 
Um, yeah. Turn on your notifications. Subscribe on our website. Everything's in the description below. Also, um, you can find our socials also in the description below on YouTube if you're watching there. And um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. So we'll see you guys next week. Well, in two days. Bye, everybody.